This podcast is brought to you by BankInfoSecurity.com. BankInfoSecurity.com is your source for the news and views shaping security and risk management within the finance space. Visa last week announced plans to expand its technology innovation program to merchants in the U.S. The program, first launched by Visa in February, offers PCI audit compliance waivers to qualified merchants who implement dual interface contact and contactless acceptance. The incentive is expected to encourage U.S. merchants to begin transitioning their POS systems toward EMV compatibility. Hi, I'm Tracy Kitten with Information Security Media Group. Today we hear from Visa's Eduardo Perez, who heads up the Global Payment System Security Group, and Mark Nelson, who serves as the senior business leader of Fraud Risk Products. Eduardo, you and I spoke in February about the launch of Visa's new innovation program, which encourages merchants to adopt and accept chip-based payments that offer dynamic transactional authentication. At that time, however, the program was only being offered internationally. Can you explain to us why Visa has expanded the offer to U.S. merchants? Sure, Tracy. Uh, Thank you for having us on your show today. Uh, Our uh, authentication strategy has really revolved around promoting dynamic authentication solutions in the marketplace. And so our announcement is intended to essentially back a proven solution that uh, has provided dynamic authentication at the point of sale for many years in the rest of the world, and we want to use that same technology in the U.S. really for three key reasons. Um, The first one is about innovation, and that's around our belief that uh, EMV chip technology provides a strong foundation for the evolution of contactless and mobile payments over time. The second reason has to do with global acceptance and ensuring that our products and um, payment cards and devices are globally accepted around the world without um, without any issues. And the third is around security, uh, the security benefits that EMV chip technology provides by uh, virtue of invoking the use of a dynamic variable that changes with it each transaction and makes the data around that transaction uh, valueless to uh, fraudsters uh, and makes it infeasible to create a counterfeit card or device. And so we believe that for those three key reasons, uh, the time was right for Visa to make this announcement to support the U.S.'s uh, chip migration and adoption of mobile payments. And can you explain to us how the program works? For instance, only qualified merchants may participate. What are some of the requirements for qualification? So we actually announced three levers, uh, Tracy. The first one was to expand the technology innovation program that we announced earlier this year to merchants in the United States. And that lever really provides um, the incentive for merchants that adopt dual interface terminals. And by dual interface, I mean both contact and contactless uh, EMB chip terminals to a rate where at least 75% of their transactions emanate from those terminals, then from a visa perspective, we would provide uh, PCI DSS validation um, uh, relief on a go-forward basis. So we would not expect merchants that met that qualification criteria to have to validate PCI DSS compliance on a go-forward basis. And what makes the timing right now for the U.S.? We've seen a tremendous amount of interest in uh, in the adoption of mobile payments and contactless payments, and so we've heard from the merchant community, the U.S. merchant community and merchant groups, uh, that there's high demand for clarity on uh, the U.S.'s uh, payment roadmap, if you will. And so we felt compelled that uh, as a result of those demands and our ongoing work that the time was really right now to provide that guidance to so that merchants and other stakeholders can make investments to support the future of payments technologies, particularly around mobile payments and contactless payments. And then I wanted to also ask about card issuers. 
Are U.S. merchants concerned about demand for chip payments if card issuers don't jump aboard? Tracy, we've actually seen in recent months uh, significant interest from U.S. issuers, both large and small, to issue chip cards to their traveling cardholders. And so we've seen some announcements from the largest banks in the United States, but also from some smaller community-based banks that have a, a high degree or high rate of their uh, cardholders who travel overseas. And so as a result of that, it's interesting to see that there's actually been uh, a move by U.S. issuers to start to issue these cards to selected cardholders. And so we believe that over time that issuance will continue and that there will be a a, a vehicle for uh, consumers to be able to use those cards and devices over time to make payments at those uh, dual interface terminals, contact chip and contactless interface terminals that will also allow for the evolution of mobile payments. So we believe that, uh, again, by providing this guidance to the marketplace, we're trying to lay out the roadmap and uh, create greater certainty for merchants and all stakeholders and issuers in their investments uh, in EMB chip technology. And how might this investment not only assist with the reduction of PCI compliance costs for merchants, but also aid card issuers that are seeking interchange incentives provided by the Durban Amendment for investments that they make in debit fraud prevention? So in terms of the PCI compliance costs, again, one of the strongest um, features of EMV chip technology is the fact that it, it helps to generate a cryptographic message. Uh, for those of your listeners that are familiar with the technology as it exists today on a MagStripe, that uh, the, the cardholder verification method that's used today to authenticate the authenticity of a card is a static variable today. And uh, because we know that information is coveted by criminals, we know that that information is uh, the, that merchants and other stakeholders in the payment system must properly protect that data. One of the biggest benefits again, of EMV chip technology is that it essentially replaces that CVV factor with a dynamic cryptographic message that uh, the issuer uh, can validate the authenticity of that card or, or device, or we can do it on their behalf on a go-forward basis. So that's, that's the first part, and obviously... By doing that, it reduces both the, the, the data that's out in the payment system and the risk that that data may be compromised. So that's one of the first benefits. In terms of uh, the Fed's rules on the Durban Amendment, the Fed has clearly indicated that uh, they've made provisions to uh, acknowledge issuers' investments in fraud prevention technology and for their fraud losses. So we believe that this technology is in line with the Fed's intent to continue to improve the overall security of the payment system. Now, I'd like to go back and just talk a little bit about the program itself. How, if at all, will the technology innovation program in the U.S. differ from the program that's being offered to merchants in other parts of the world? So one key difference between the program that we announced for the rest of the world, the technology innovation program that we announced for the rest of the world, is that for the rest of the world, it focused on acknowledging and further incenting adoption of contact chip terminals contact EMV chip terminals, and that was really in consideration of where the rest of the world is in, in the adoption of EMV chip technology. A number of large markets have adopted the technology to high rates of uh, uh, to high rates, and as a result, we see a, a significant number of chip-on-chip -chip transactions, as we call them, in the rest of the world. In the U.S., because of our unique circumstances and where this marketplace is at, 
Um, and given the advent of mobile and contactless payments, we wanted to make sure that we adjusted the program accordingly to incent um, the adoption of dual interface terminals so that merchants can be prepared to take payments uh, either as a contact chip payment or as a contactless card or uh, increasingly over time via uh, mobile NFC payments that they can also leverage that same technology to accept those forms of payment devices. And so that, that was the key difference with the technology innovation program as we announced it for the U.S. is that in order to qualify, merchants have to adopt dual interface terminals. And again, by dual interface, I specifically mean both contact and contactless EMB chip um, acceptance terminals. Now, Mark, I'd like to talk with you for a moment about maybe some of the differences between the European market and the U.S. market, if there are any. The program relies on merchants' abilities to accept chip-based payments. Now, in Europe, for instance, that means EMV, but in the U.S., it could mean mobile or some other type of NFC transaction. Visa is promoting a mobile option for the U.S. Can you explain why Visa is piggybacking on mobile? Yes, and actually, when we talk about mobile NFC, we're also referring to an, an EMV-based um, mobile acceptance. And so, when you create, when you can, as a merchant or an acquirer, accept a chip-based product, you can also then support that mobile um, transaction as well, because the underlying infrastructure and technology is the same. So, in other words, the fields that are passed within the message are the same between the contact chip, contactless, as well as mobile. And so, we're really writing on that as the backbone so that we can make an infrastructure change one time that really kind of future-proofs payments, right? So then if there's issuers who want to more aggressively go after mobile, they can do that because the infrastructure is set up. However, if there's other merchants or issuers who want to go more after contact chip, they can also do that, right? So you make a change one time. That underlying technology is globally interoperable and supports, you know, as I mentioned, contact chip, contactless, as well as mobile NFC. So that's why we're really wanting to lay that groundwork now so that we can accelerate mobile adoption in the U.S. And do you think in the U.S. that we might leapfrog, that we might just move directly to mobile or that the transition to mobile might be smoother? I think that, you know, that's a really good question. I think it is going to depend on the issuers. We've In our conversations, we've definitely heard that term often, the leapfrog. So there are some issuers who want to go directly to mobile. And I think it's going to come down to some of it is consumer choice, right? Some consumers may want to go directly towards mobile, whereas with other consumers, they're wanting the contact chip card so that they can go and travel. And so earlier this year, there was a number of issuers who announced um, chip programs, for example, for their for their traveling users. And there was incredible demand from consumers as a result of that. So I think you're going to see a little bit of both. But I do think that there is strong demand for, for mobile payments. There's kind of just that wow factor for one. And it's it, there's just strong command from both the issuers as well as merchants um, for, for this for getting involved with this new technology, right? So I think it will help accelerate um, the, the technology adoption. Now, I'd like to go back to something that Eduardo was talking about earlier, and either one of you, Mark or Eduardo, can answer this question. But, you know, I do understand that there's been quite a bit of interest from merchants in the U.S. as well as card issuers in the U.S. in looking to a program that will enable chip payments. But is Visa prepared to offer some program assistance and guidance And I'm asking this not only for merchants, but also for financial institutions who are the card issuers, as well as the sponsoring financial institutions for the merchants that decide to make this move. 
Yes, I'll, I'll answer that. Um, we are working on a number of what we call kind of chip on behalf of services for both the, the merchants as well as the issuers. And so what we have is a variety of, of tools which basically help an issuer design the right type of chip program for them. You know, as you can imagine, chip, chip technology has a lot of, um, there's a lot of things that they, they can do with it. And so we really help them say, okay, what's the best scenario for you? What are you looking to do? And we'll help design a program for them. And then also, one of the big challenges that an issuer may have is, you know, how do we accept and process these new chip fields, right? There's, there's changes they would have to make to the host system in order to fully authenticate these cards. And so, what we do at Bizanet is make changes to basically authenticate the card on behalf of the issuer and then kind of translate the message, convert it so it looks like a MagStripe transaction. And we're doing this so that issuers can more quickly adopt and, and deploy chip-based technologies without having to make all of the system changes to, to their host systems, right? So we're working on a number of programs to really help accelerate um, this adoption for, for, as I mentioned, for both the issuing side as well as the merchant side. Yeah, that's a great point. In fact, I think that's something that Eduardo talked about back in February when we first um, discussed the introduction of this program. Before we close, I'd like for each of you or both of you, however you'd like to, to break this down, we can start with you, Mark, and then move into you, Eduardo. What final thoughts would you like to leave our audience with as it relates to this new program specifically? Well, I think in general, um, the final thought is, you know, we're talking about dynamic authentication. And as Eduardo mentioned, dynamic authentication is is powerful because it uses distinct, unique elements for that particular transaction, and they can't be reused. Um, and today we've talked a lot about the card present, point-of-sale transactions, but we as Visa, we believe in dynamic authentication, and we're also looking at how do we get dynamic authentication in cardnet present transactions as well because we are preparing for you know as 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 the e-commerce channel has become more and more popular and, and more you know transactions we also need to prepare for fraud that migrates to that channel and so we're working on dynamic authentication in the cardnet present channel as well which we'll provide further details on in in the coming months Yes, uh, Tracy, thanks again for having us on your show today. Uh, we believe that this is an exciting time for the payments industry in here at Visa, and our announcement is all about really focused on innovation and making sure that we prepare the marketplace and lay out the, the, the policy uh, groundwork that we will need to promote the adoption of new forms of payments, particularly contactless and mobile payments. I will say that uh, in closing, uh, one of the greatest opportunities that we have and that we're pursuing at Visa is both ensuring that we have a, a smart perimeter uh, by using smart devices that, that uh, utilize dynamic authentication as EMB chip technology does, and we're also continually looking to leverage the strength of our smart network at the same time to provide a number of other solutions, some of which Mark highlighted to reduce the burden and potential friction for all players in the payment system when conducting payments, and at the same time, increase the security, robustness, and overall trust that uh, consumers have come to have on electronic payments. So again, we're excited about this announcement and about the continuing work we're doing to both uh, improve the overall uh, effectiveness of our network and uh, and the types of payments that we're going to continue to promote in the in the payment system. Great. I'd like to thank both of you again for your time today. Thank you, Tracy. Thank you. Again, we've just heard from Eduardo Perez and Mark Nelson, both of Visa. 
For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tracy Kitten. This podcast has been brought to you by BankInfoSecurity.com. For more interviews, breaking news, research, and educational webinars, please visit www.BankInfoSecurity.com.